0: Love Talk radio welcome you're listening to perfectly healthy and tone radio with your host Darren Batman McDuck and now prepare to get fat. What's crackin'? Welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I'm your host, Darren Fatman McDuffie, and today going to have a good episode, actually just a little bit earlier than what I'm used to. I'm always up, but a little bit earlier show than what I'm used to, but I wanted to accommodate our guest, and I know he has a busy schedule, but before I get to him and reading his bio and getting him on... Just wanted to wish all the mothers out there a happy Mother's Day. I know that was yesterday. I live here in South Florida, and the beaches were absolutely packed. Everybody was out on the beach. I spent an hour looking for a parking spot and finally got a chance to uh, relax on the beach. I know that this uh, time now is upcoming, that things are going to start getting more and more packed on the beach here in South Florida. We're coming up on Memorial Day, which is, I think, the last week of May. And we're in May now, so I know that things are going to be more and more packed, and a lot of people are going to be visiting South Florida, which is always the case. But what can you say? I live in paradise. I'm not complaining. Love living here. Love being able to drive 15 minutes, 15 or 10 minutes to the beach and being able to enjoy that. Nothing like being able to get off work or get done with what you're doing and then take some time and just go to the beach and relax so, um, this show is one of the shows I've been really looking forward to doing. We had some scheduling conflicts a couple of times. I think we were supposed to do this show back in February, I believe, and something happened and we weren't able to schedule the show, but um, I was looking through different things as I always do to research for for the show and came across, uh, came across this gentleman's uh, book. He had, actually has two books and today we'll be discussing one of them, but I was like, man, I, I'm hoping that I can get this guy on and sent an email, and finally the email was responded to, and now I'm able to have him on. But before I get him on, let me read his uh, bio. Born and raised in Missouri, Dr. Joel Wallach attended the University of Missouri, where he received a bachelor's degree in science of agriculture. A veterinarian for 30 years, he worked as a research veterinarian pathologist with the National Institute of Health for the Center for the Biology of Natural Systems, Washington University, St. Louis, Missouri. Hope I'm pronouncing this right. Yerkes Regional Primate Research Center in Atlanta, Georgia at Emory University. Having discovered and identified the first animal models for cystic fibrosis, we'll be talking about that. He found that he could reproduce their condition at will because it was a nutritional deficiency. His find offered great promise for children with the disease. But when he made it public, the Institute fired him on 24 hours notice. And we'll, again, we'll be talking more about that because I'm very interested in that. Chagrin and perplexed, Dr. Wallach made the decision to go to medical school so he could treat the children for cystic fibrosis himself. Dr. Wallach's innovative slant is derived from his background in veterinary medicine. Because there's no health insurance, animal products such as meat and dairy are kept affordable by preventing and curing diseases with nutritional formulas in animal feed. When he started incorporating similar nutritional formulas with people, word got out out that If you're not happy with your doctor, go see Dr. Wallach. He'll treat you like a dog, but you'll get better. Love that. Love that. Dr. Wallach, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you?
1: Okay. Thank you so very much. I appreciate your hospitality so early in the morning.
0: (laughs) Yeah, You're in uh, Salt Lake City, so it's about 8 o'clock for you, so you're probably just getting your voice going. I've been out walking around the lake and, and getting in tune with nature, so I've got a little bit more of a head start on you. And I got my coffee here ready for the interview. Okay, we're ready. Yeah, are you ready? Okay. All right, well, you have one of the most interesting backgrounds of anyone that I've ever interviewed. You are, you were a veterinarian, and then you kind of got into the health field of helping uh, people. But talk a little bit about your background in, in, in uh, veterinarian and how that prepared you for Getting into dealing or helping people.
1: Sure. Well, uh, to make a long story short, um, i as a kid in junior high and high school, and first couple of years of university, I worked with Marlon Perkins from the old Mutual Omaha Wild Kingdom show um, mm-hmm. uh, at the Saint Louis Zoo, and um, I did a lot of things for him. Since I was a farm kid, I would do things that the city kids wouldn't do. And um, uh, again, to make a long story short, uh, halfway through. Um, veterinary school, I had already graduated agricultural school, so I was a graduate student and I liked pathology, so I started taking pathology courses towards a PhD in pathology, and as a graduate student, I ran into the first mass die-off in America from pollution. It was documentable. I wrote it up, got it published in peer-reviewed, refereed, scientific journals. I'm sure it happened many times before, but nobody had recognized it and I gave Marlon Perkins a copy of it, just out of respect for him, because I had worked with him for at least eight years and as kind of a uh, uncle, if you will, uh, gave him a copy of that paper. Uh, graduated uh, veterinary school, and he sent me to Africa. And this was for an indefinite period of time. This is to work on the white rhino conservation project and the African elephant conservation projects. And over that two years, I caught 200 white rhino, uh, brought them back to the United States. If you, if you see a white rhino in a wild animal park or a zoo, is one that I brought over, or Alf Springs are the ones that I brought over and also caught another 100 and took them up into um, what is now Zimbabwe, and um, the, uh, the, the Central African country uh, of Zimbabwe. And, um, and then, of course, uh, worked on caught 100 elephants and um, mm-hmm. coal-branded them, and we tracked them and found out where their places were where they required water so they wouldn't be taken over by livestock to save mm-hmm. the African elephant. And uh, at two years into that, I was prepared to stay in Africa forever because I was having such a good time and working on very nice projects. And Perkins sent me a letter and said, look, I just got this big grant from the National Institutes of Health to study pollution. And they believed back in the mid-'60s the Earth was going to end in two weeks from pollution. So they said, um, we want to use the zoos as a canary in the mine, like the old Welsh coal miners in England used to use canaries. They'd take them down in the mine, and if um, dangerous gases would leak into the mine uh, as they were working, and the canaries would die, and they knew they better get out before they got killed by toxins or smothering or something. And so he said, we can use the big zoos and big cities um, uh, around North America, Canada, the United States, and Mexico, and we can find out what the animals are dying from, and uh, we'll learn how to protect humans. And he said, I, I need you back here for this. And it was based on that uh, first death in America from Pollution paper that I had given him. So I came back. I said I can always go back to Africa. That's a great project. Came back and again, make a long story short. Over a period of uh, ten years, I did some twenty thousand autopsies, ten million chemistries looking for pollution, ten million slides with special stains looking for pollution. And what I found was that in seventeen thousand some change of over four hundred and fifty-four species of animals and three thousand human autopsies, I found that that um, every um, death from natural causes was caused by a nutritional deficiency as opposed to genetics or pollution. Mm -hmm. And this is all very well documented, unimpeachable, and it resulted in 75 uh, uh, papers were published in scientific journals, went around the world. Some of them went around the world. I was in the newspapers. I mean, every newspaper in the world several times. And um, then um, what I found out was that genetics had nothing to do with any of the diseases. Uh, For instance, I found type 2 diabetes in crocodiles. Now, type 2 diabetes is supposed to be a genetic disease in human beings. How did a crocodile get type 2 diabetes? Of course, mm-hmm. you think, well, maybe he ate a Baptist preacher who was doing missions in Africa, uh, and, and the and the pastor had diabetes and maybe got the genes out. <laughs> it turned out, <laughs> I mean, think of silly things yeah, uh, when yeah. things just don't fit the pattern, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, what he found out was if, there, if there's a nutritional deficiency in any vertebrate, whether it's a crocodile, a turtle, a fish, a human being, a giraffe, an elephant, a flamingo, a rat, a dog, it doesn't matter. That same deficiency will cause the same disease. Then I'm finding sickle cell anemia, which is supposed to be a genetic disease in the black community in certain parts of Africa. And it turns out I'm finding it in hummingbirds and antelope and deer and got that published. And I said, well, gosh, what's happening here? Well, again, it turns out that all these different animals are vertebrates like a human being, they have backbones. And so the same deficiency will result in the same disease got all this documented in these 75 scientific papers, but the thing that really um, hit home was a 1,200-page reference book that I wrote based on all these autopsies, 1,200 pages, and all the data from all the autopsies, all the chemistries, all the slides are in that book, and it's in the Smithsonian Institute as a national treasure, so I'm very, very proud of that. Well, after that project, I moved on to different uh, zoos, and uh, I went to the Brookfield Zoo and Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago and the Shedd Aquarium and finding congestive heart failure in dolphins and, and so forth. It turns out congestive heart failure doesn't just happen. It's certainly not genetic. Um, it is, in fact, a deficiency of a single vitamin. We've actually known that one for 300 years. discovered by a Japanese naval surgeon. And then uh, cardiomyopathy, heart disease, sudden heart death. you see in young athletes. We lose about 10,000 young athletes under the age of 20 here in America every year from sudden heart death on the playing field or in practice or at home after they leave practice is caused by deficiency of a single mineral. I've personally done 1,700 autopsies on kids under the age of 10 that have um, died of this disease, cardiomyopathy, heart disease. In China, it's called Keshan disease. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to um, uh, the Yerkes uh, Primate Center, pronounced Yerkes,
0: and it's a man's
1: name. He invented the primate research system. Uh, in the United States government, and so this uh, uh, the biggest one and the first one in, in Atlanta, Georgia was named after him, the Yerkes Primate Center, and it was attached to the medical school at Emory University. I wound up there, and I was not there for six months. I found the first non-human case of cystic fibrosis. Again, I'm sure many people had seen it before, but in their training, they were taught that cystic fibrosis was a genetic disease of humans, and even if they would see something that looked casually like it, they'd say, "Well, that can't be it because it's genetic in humans." Well, I had already done my twenty thousand autopsies and uh, four hundred fifty-four species of animals, three thousand humans, and so uh, and did all my chemistries, and so I knew better. And I began to look, and sure enough, I found the cause, prevention, cure of cystic fibrosis. I found the ability to get rid of the what they call genetic marker, which was found in seventeen other diseases that had no um, relationship to cystic fibrosis. So, if you get seventeen other diseases that have the same Um, marker, it's it's not a genetic marker, and what was interesting, I got permission to do biopsies of the pancreases, the livers, and the lungs of all the other non-related baby monkeys in that same colony at the Uruguay Primary Center, same age group, and sure enough, they all had cystic fibrosis, and that's because there was something going on in the feeding system there as opposed to genetics. Mm -hmm. Tracked it down Mm -hmm. using my past experience, and sure enough, I found it. It turns out that cystic fibrosis is a deficiency of a single mineral, The genetic marker is a deficiency of a single nutrient, and you give all 90 essential nutrients, 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 3 fatty acids, a little bit of extra of that one nutrient. The genetic marker goes away in two weeks, and you give a little bit more of the other nutrients, that one mineral, and cystic fibrosis goes away. I don't care if they're 25 years old and they've had it for 25 years. It doesn't matter. It's totally reversible. No kid needs to be born with it. No kid needs to die from it. And the beautiful thing here um, is that I found also – 200 of these kids under the age of 10 uh, were um, sudden infant death syndrome, crib deaths. And so I know the crib deaths is caused by deficiency of that same mineral uh, that causes cystic fibrosis and cardiomyopathy heart disease. And um, it has nothing to do with, uh, with uh, suffocating because they're sleeping on their stomach, which is a false theory. And then I found that 100% of these 1,700 autopsies, the kids had mustard history. Make a long story short, uh, figured out what was going on there. Um, worked with the Amish community because they have the highest rate of muscular dystrophy in the United States, was able to begin to reverse muscular dystrophy in the Amish communities, We're still doing it today, and gave the information in 2011 to Jerry Lewis. And Jerry Lewis excitedly took the cause, prevention, and cure of muscular dystrophy to the Muscular History Foundation. They fired Jerry Lewis in 2011. That's why there has not been another um, telethon since 2011 to wow. Fired Jerry Lewis. Wow. And uh, they should have their tax-exempt status taken away mustard history foundation and everybody who's on the board at that time who fired jerry lewis should be put in jail because every kid that dies of mustard history since that point is on their head
0: yeah but this is something that we see a lot of um you talked about your your um cystic fibrosis i wanted you to kind of get into that how you discovered that and what actually happened to you and um just going back, I know from your book brought back a lot of memories uh, for me. I remember as a kid, you uh, you working with Marlon Perkins. I used to watch a show all the time on Sundays. It used to come on Sundays when I was a child, Wild Kingdom. And when, yep. <laughs> when I was reading your book, I was freaking out because I'm like, oh, my God, this guy knows Marlon Perkins. This was one of my favorite shows. That, And I remember right after that, Disney used to come on, the uh, the Disney movie of the week on Sundays because I used to stay with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. I always watch those, and I just I was just freaking out when I was reading the book with them I'm like, God, this guy knows them' more all in Perkins. But get into your the cystic fibrosis, because this seems like it's a central theme, and this is actually going on today with a lot of doctors who are coming forth with uh, different types of um, resolutions for cancer and, and different things. But talk about your experience and yep. what happened to you about with the cystic fibrosis.
1: Well, when I found the cystic fibrosis, I knew there would be some resistance to it because it was in an animal, not a human. So I sent um, sample slides to experts in pathology of cystic fibrosis in three different countries and all the big universities in, in the United States that had experts in cystic fibrosis pathology. And um, they all in their letterhead sent back, this is a classic case of cystic fibrosis. And then I shared with them that it was from an animal, not a human. They said, well, is there any, is the mother and father still alive? He said, yeah. I said, well, let's get some more babies and, you know, we can start a colony of these um, babies that have the genetics. They said, well, Gets better than that. If you want a thousand baby monkeys, um, or baby rats, or any animal you want, to baby dogs uh, with cystic fibrosis, I can make them for you in a couple of months because I know what causes it. it's not genetics. And I compiled everything, all my research, all the uh, results from the biopsies of 24 other baby monkeys uh, that had cystic fibrosis, non-related, and um, took them to the powers that be at Yerkes Primate Center in Emory University at the medical school. And without a review, without giving me a chance to share the information and all the data, they terminated me. Just the next day I was given a termination letter that Said, get off the property immediately, blah, 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 blah. And they didn't want me talking to anybody else. They said, why don't you treat me like a Ph.D. student? Why don't you get together a committee to challenge my thesis here and um, uh, get together geneticists, uh, experts in cystic fibrosis pathology, experts in cystic fibrosis clinical um, care, uh, and pediatricians who work with psychosis, and challenged me, if my data doesn't satisfy them, go ahead and fire me. But if my data satisfies them, let's get some grants and save some kids, and they mm-hmm. fired me. Well, that's when I went back to school, I chose to go with the naturopathic community, which I knew nothing about other than they liked nutrition, and I went up to Portland, Oregon, and became a naturopathic physician, taught nutrition up there, and taught biochemistry for about uh, six years. I was going through school, and and so forth, and uh, began to treat kids. But I realized that people were getting free treatment on cystic fibrosis. It was wrong treatment, incorrect treatment. It was not going to save these kids' lives. relieve symptoms for a while, but didn't really save their lives ultimately. The average lifespan back then was about 12 years old, and today it's up into the 20s because uh, of just vitamins and minerals and uh, some enzymes. But if we were to be more specific in what we do, we could save every kid to be perfectly 100% normal or genetic markers would go away. And, of course, uh, this was uh, in every newspaper in the world when I discovered it. And the Yerke Primary Center and Emory University were making news releases. The National Institutes of Health were making big news releases, how wonderful it was. And then when they fired me, I was in every newspaper in the world again. And uh, they were saying, oh, this is fraudulent and blah, 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 and we were misled and and so forth. And so um, uh, I, again, became a physician. I realized that I was going to starve to death. And I was a widower. My wife had died right at that same point. They fired me. So I got tired, and my wife died, and I had four little kids, a year and a half old, eight years old, to take care of and feed. And so I had to deal with arthritis and high blood pressure and heart disease and low thyroid and Alzheimer's disease and so forth. And remember, I had done all these autopsies in these animals. Now I'm finding every birth effect in everything from llamas and monkeys and parrots and, and flamingos and every kind of mammal you can think of uh, that were found in humans. And I, just, I actually, in many cases, discovered the cause just from doing biochemistry – and in many cases, it was reported in laboratory animals what nutritional deficiency during pregnancy would cause a disease. And I found how to prevent sickle cell anemia, how to prevent and reverse type 2 diabetes, how to prevent and reverse obesity, and congestive heart failure, and cardiomyopathy, heart disease, and Alzheimer's disease. And people began to come to me. And so I was, I was being able to survive by treating patients for all the common degenerative diseases, while still my priority was to treat as many kids with cystic fibrosis and muscular dystrophy as I could. Because we can save them and bring them back into a normal society and, and they will be perfectly normal. And even if you have two kids with cystic fibrosis, a boy and a girl, and they grow up and they fall in love with each other, they can have 25 kids and it will all be normal. No, if it's genetic, every one of those 25 kids should have cystic fibrosis. But if the female takes all 90 essential nutrients, 16 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 3 fatty acids, both the male and female could have cystic fibrosis if it's genetic Every baby should, from them should be cystic fibrosis. And uh-huh. I can show you very clearly that that won't happen. Same thing with mustard history. And so yeah. that's what I've been doing since 19, uh, 1978, so for 38 years.
0: Yeah. So what you're saying is nothing is genetic. And I think that that's coming to the forefront now. A lot of it has to do with our eating. Um, I wanted you to go back and just kind of pull out your, your veterinary experience there. and sure. A lot of the meat and the dairy are big business in our country. Uh, and what I found in the book was that they were able to kind of limit nutritional deficiencies in these animals in order to be able to bring them to to slaughter, to be able to get the milk and, and things of that nature. But talk about how that's prevented in animals and then kind of make that correlation to sure. what's actually going on in humans and why why we're not following this model in humans. You are, but the, the rest of the, the medical establishment really isn't doing that.
1: Okay, well, remember from those uh, 20,000 autopsies, those initial 20,000 autopsies, I learned that any nutritional deficiency that's presented in any vertebrate will give you the same disease. And, mm-hmm. of course, almost all of these are thought to be genetically transmitted diseases, either as birth defects such as cleft palate um, Heart disease, you know, um, uh, heart defects, uh, muscular disease, cystic fibrosis, spina bifida, um, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, these sorts of things. And uh, the only thing that genetics deals with is your gender, your sex. You're either an XX female, or an XY male. It uh, mm-hmm. you controls your skin color, your eye color, your hair color. And after that, it does control whether your liver is going to make liver cells or it's repairing itself. Your cartilage cells are going to make cartilage cells and repairing itself there's not a single birth defect that's caused by a bad gene. There's not a single disease that's caused by a bad gene. Now, you can get radiation poisoning and, and um, mess up your chromosomes, but it's not something that it's a natural uh, degenerative disease caused by a bad gene passed on from parents to babies. That's just not happening. That was an overreach uh, because um, back again in the 1800s when they were discovering they didn't even have the word genes. They didn't have the word dominance and recessive and hybrids and, and so forth. And so, uh, but they knew that a redheaded guy and a redheaded gal, if they had ten kids, all ten kids would have red hair. You had people with brown hair, male and female, and ten babies. Uh, nine could have brown hair and one would have red hair, and they thought there was hanky-panky going on originally. But basically, finally, uh, Darwin figured out that there was something uh, hidden in uh, the information transferred from mothers to fathers, and if they both had the hidden information, it could pop up in one of the multiples of babies. And so this was the beginning of the idea of genetics. Well, then medical doctors took it a bridge too far, if you will, by saying all these birth defects are caused by bad genes. There's never any science to show that. In the animal industry, if you feed a hundred cows um, to have calves to to make in the meat, and seventy of them have normal babies, and thirty of them have uh, our, our babies with Down syndrome and cleft palate and mustard history. Farmers going to go out of business the first year. So we learned that all these diseases are preventable just by putting all 90 essential nutrients in their little alfalfa pellets. So they can't sort through and just eat the corn. They're obligated to eat uh, all 90 essential nutrients. And this is because there's no health insurance for animals. And so um, uh, farmers, whether it's milk or eggs or meat, uh, or a bushel of wheat, or a bushel of corn, or a bushel of carrots. It doesn't matter. He gets paid by tons and bushels, by quarts and gallons, and dozens of eggs. And and, and if he has to um, pay for health insurance and everything still comes out bad, then a dozen eggs would be 50 bucks. A pound of hamburger would be 50 bucks. A loaf of bread would be $25, and nobody would buy it. And so by default, by preventing and curing diseases with nutrition in animals, we learned how to keep a dozen eggs down to $1.20. a buck twenty. Loaf of bread, um, if it's not gluten free, it'll be like a buck fifty. A quart of milk should be like ninety nine cents. A gallon of milk should be three fifty kind of thing, instead of fifteen bucks. And so we've been able to do that in the animal industry by preventing and curing nine hundred different diseases, including birth defects that plague people. And I began doing this in humans in nineteen. 19- uh, 78, 38 years ago, uh-huh. and I'm here to tell you that um, every disease we've been able to eliminate in animals is eliminated in human, in human beings, and I can make everybody's church family type 2 diabetes-free in two months or less. I can make their city, their county, their state, America, I can make the entire world uh, diabetes-free, type 2 diabetes-free in two months or less. It's a very simple nutritional deficiency, and uh, you change the diet, you give it extra supplements, and it goes away. And, of course, right now in, in, in California, 55% of adults in California are either type 2 diabetics or pre-diabetic, 55%. And I can solve that in a heartbeat. But what happens is every person you, you say this to, they say, well, I better check with my doctor because he's helping me keep my blood sugar under control. Well, managing your blood sugar is like taking an aspirin for arthritis. You'll have pain relief, but the arthritis keeps getting worse because pain is the symptom. It's not the disease. High blood sugar is a symptom of diabetes, not the disease.
0: Yeah. Um, my question is, is um, I'm sitting here thinking while you're talking. I had questions all made out, but when people start talking, my mind goes to different things. So uh, I sure. wanted to ask you this. Um, I'm African-American. You're obviously Caucasian, and then you may have someone who's Hispanic. Um, you might have someone who might be listening to this who's Asian. Um, let's say that person has a... Selenium deficiency. Are that is that selenium deficiency going to be different or kind of uh, present itself differently in me being African American versus someone might be who might be Hispanic versus someone who might be Asian, or is it all the
1: same? Okay, okay if everybody's eating the same diet, the response will be the same. Mm-hmm. But in the black community, they tend to eat a lot of fried foods, fried chicken and fried fish and fried potatoes and fried okra and fried everything, right? Mm -hmm. Fried eggs, you go to the Asian community, they're eating rice and baked sweet potatoes or boiled sweet potatoes. And so a selenium deficiency will react differently in those two communities. But ultimately, if your selenium deficiency is bad enough, your children will die of a cardiomyopathy heart attack, or as an adult, you'll die of a cardiomyopathy heart attack. You can get liver cirrhosis from a selenium deficiency. You can get MS. Um, You can get, um, oh, mustard history, fibromyalgia, lupus all these kind of things, but it also is going to depend on what you eat and what you don't eat as well as the deficiency. And this is where uh, doctors get it all wrong. They say, well, yeah, Wallach, like, you know, it's been proven that you can, you can prevent mustard in animals, but it's never been proven in humans. Well, that's because in animal research, every animal in that study is getting the same diet. We know exactly mm-hmm. what's happening. You take 1,000 a, a people who's on a study for mustard history in humans, there's a 1,000 diets. And it'll be kind of subtly the same in the black community, subtly the same in the Asian community, subtly, subtly the same in the white community, and so on. And mm-hmm. But the deficiency will be the same uh, in, in all of our race, including all humans, regardless of their race. But the diet will affect uh, how uh, badly or how quickly or how early or whether you're going to be resistant. Okay, people who are going to eat boiled foods are going to have more tolerance for a modest selenium deficiency as opposed to somebody who's eating everything fried. If you're eating everything fried, you're going to die early. And this is our problem right now. Um, Experts, and, and this is published, that our children will be the first generation of Americans who do not live as long as their parents. And this is a scorecard for the medical system. This is an F minus, 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 minus. Okay? Think about it. Our children are going to be the first generation that do not live as long as their parents. Everybody who's listening to your show today will be standing at your graveside burying their kids if they do not not supplement their kids and watch what they're feeding them. I want you to think. I wonder what Steve Jobs' parents felt like when they buried him. I wonder what Iwata's parents, the CEO of Nintendo's parents, felt when they buried him at age 55. I wonder what Vice President Joe Biden felt like when he buried his son, Beau Biden, at age 46. I wonder what Vice President Jimmy Carter felt like when he buried his grandson, Jeremy, at age 28. It doesn't matter how politically connected you are. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how fit you are, as far as exercising. If you're deficient in these nutrients, you're going to die of a horrible disease. And so, um, this is our problem. There's no more nutrition in our food. It's because of technology. There's no more nutri- It's not because of bad farming practices. It's because we switched from wood as a fuel to electricity. That switch alone has caused all of our nutritional deficiency problems because people used to put wood ashes in their gardens and wood ashes are not minerals, or excuse me, not ashes, wood ashes, are not ashes, they're minerals. And so the plants would take up these minerals. You ate the plants, the pumpkins and the corn and the peas and potatoes, and you got your minerals that way. People didn't know they were getting the minerals, but as soon as they went to electricity, nobody had wood ashes to put in their gardens anymore, no more minerals. And the accelerated downward spiral of American health and the health of people in the industrialized world that switched from wood, as a fuel to electricity is is gone, gotten out of hand because doctors keep saying don't supplement, don't supplement. You'll waste your money. You'll have expensive urine. It's useless. Just eat well, and doctors mm-hmm. get an F minus 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 because of this. And it's on their heads that our kids' generations will die before us. It's just absolutely terrible.
0: Yeah, you have a uh, minor. I understand in um, was it I can't remember exactly soil and. Uh I know it's something with soil, but uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, soil, yeah, uh, soil chemistry. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to ask you this: um, How much of our soil? I mean, you've been doing this since 1978. Was our soil adequate back then? Because I've had people on who I've talked about with the soil, and they're saying the soil is not adequate adequate enough. To add the nutrients to what we're growing. But I was wondering if you saw that way back when, since you were more privy to that uh, in that, in that yeah. field, that the soil was being depleted.
1: Well, well, I began to see that in 1958. It was wow. when I saw because that's when I was getting my degree in agriculture. My major was in animal husbandry and nutrition. My minor was in field crops and soils, which is, again, soil and, and crop chemistry. And um, I'm finding that when they put fertilizer in the ground, for crops and large farms and ranches, it's not for the nutritional value of the food. Farmers are not obligated to make nutritionally valuable food for us. They make their living from tons and bushels. So if they can get the same amount of tons and bush- bushels from a fertilizer that has three nutrients in an NPK, two minerals, mm-hmm. well, human beings require 60 minerals. The food, the plants only need three, and they knew to put the 90 cents of nutrients in the alfalfa pellets they're giving to the animals. the doctors are saying, "Oh no, no, no! Just eat well. You get everything you need. Don't supplement." And so the animals, we got rid of the diseases in the animals, but in humans, we got the diseases of deficiency because the soil was depleted, not because of bad farming practices, but because we weren't putting wood ashes in there twice a day to replete to to rebuild the mineral value of the soil. Now nobody knew that was what was happening, but that's what had happened for 5,000 years. Until he switched over to electricity. Electricity has been one of the greatest boons to humanity, but on the other hand, it's been one of the greatest negatives for humanity because we didn't know all of the unintended consequences, and most people don't yet today. And That's why I spent most of my time educating people on the fact that our food has very little nutrition in it, and if you don't supplement it, you will be burying your children.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you that, but you you you're answering that over and over again. That we need the supplement because a lot of people don't believe in supplementation. They say that we can get everything from food, but I just don't believe that, especially from hearing what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing, and constantly interviewing people who are saying the soil is depleted. So I believe that you should, you should well, supplement. Well, there was a hundred
1: year study. Yeah, there was a hundred year study that just ended by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. It started in 1914, ended in 2014. What they found out was that. Um, the minerals in our soil were 500 times higher. The minerals in our soil were 500 times higher 100 years ago than they are today. So think about it. Grandpa got food that had um, 500 times more nutrients in it than his grandbabies. And this was actually plotted out. And in, uh, in 2014, the United States Department of Agriculture, not me, the United States Department of Agriculture came out and said 95% of all Americans are seriously minerally deficient because our soil is totally depleted, um, 85% depletion of our soil from minerals as it was in 1916, and today it is um, 500% less um, mineral nutrients in it. And our kids are paying the price. Our children are paying the price. And uh, it's one of those things where it's like NOAA. Everybody did not believe Noah, even though he preached for 100 years, went around trying to get everybody to, to understand what was going to happen here, and they better start building boats that look like the ark to get, get their families on the boats. And everybody laughed at him, and they all died. Well, this is what's happening here right now. Of course, the average lifespan of doctors is 56, according to their own study, which came out in 1999. The average lifespan of medical doctors is 56. Why do people continue to believe them? That's because insurance pays for faulty treatment. Just remember, a couple of days ago, just a couple of days ago, published in the British um, Medical Journal, and is a study by Johns Hopkins. The reason why they had to go to the British Medical Journal, no American journal would publish it. This is Johns Hopkins Medical School from Baltimore, Maryland, very famous and first medical school in America. They came out and said that medical mistakes are the third leading cause of death in America behind heart disease and lung disease. Mm -hmm. Medical mistakes are the third leading cause of death in America.
0: Mm-hmm. And pharmaceutical okay, and drugs are them. up there as well, I believe.
1: <laughs> well, well, that's another story. When you look at pre- prescription decimal point errors and so forth, they're the number one cause of death in America. Okay, when you t- when you talk about um, doctors' advice, prescriptions, for instance, the medical system actually caused Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's disease is not genetic. It doesn't. It didn't just appear. Uh, people didn't have Alzheimer's disease. 45 years ago. Today, it's number four cause of death in adults for the age of 65. It's a physician-caused disease. It's a deficiency of a small group of nutrients, and uh, one of which is cholesterol. Who demonized cholesterol? Doctors. Uh-huh. Who came uh-huh. up with a pharmaceutical uh, group of the statin drugs, to lower cholesterol, the pharmaceutical industry, and doctors? And by lowering your cholesterol, they gave America and the industrialized world Alzheimer's disease, and they killed over a billion people since 1952 in the uh, industrialized world, in Europe and Asia, uh, South America and Australia, New Zealand, the South Pacific stuff, the United States, Canada, Mexico, and all the, the um, uh, big cities, all the places where doctors are writing prescriptions since 1952, medical doctors have killed a billion people with Alzheimer's disease in its various uh, appearances. And we know from double-blind studies that we can actually prevent and cure uh, Alzheimer's disease. Okay? I've, I've gotten rid of Alzheimer's disease in many, many people, diagnosed by a university, diagnosed by big clinics. and just a few days on our program, they're, they're back to work. Nothing wrong with them after eight years of being unconscious and being fed with G-tubes. I mean, this is crazy. And so medical doctors have to be held accountable for this. Medical doctors in America have actually killed more people than the Nazis did. And this is uh, one of the reasons uh, that uh, Dr. King, Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, when he knew that he'd won the Civil Rights Movement before he was murdered, he was going on to his next uh, crusade, which was to go against the medical doctors because the medical doctors in America have killed more and injured more and tortured more black people uh, than the Nazis killed and tortured more Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was his next project was to go after the medical system before they killed him.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. I remember um, there's a book out there I wanted to read in the future regarding, you know, some of the experimentation they did on uh, black people. I know one of them, they made a movie about the Tuskegee experiment. So that, that yep. was out there. I believe that was on HBO. Um, well,
1: yeah, well, I have it. In books. One is Black Gene Lies, which uh, yes. Pastor Crevello Dollar from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, Black Gene Lies, he actually paid for that book to be published. It documents all this. And also the book Epigenetics documents the history of how the medical system, I mean, painfully grinding through maybe 50 pages of this new book, Epigenetics, um, all the terrible things the American medical doctors have done, paid by the government, paid by the U.S. government, all the experiments and all the terrible things. The Tuskegee experiment was just the tip of the iceberg. It was it, There was things that were a thousand times worse than the Tuskegee experiment.
0: Yeah, there's another book that I read a long time ago, because I don't want people to think this is just segment on the African-American community. There's a book out there, and I I cannot find the author. I wanted to get her on. Uh, I think her name is Eileen Walsam. It's The Plutonium Files. And that Mm -hmm. book goes into how they put plutonium in people's oatmeal. And it just wasn't African-Americans. It was Caucasians. It was just about everybody. So, I mean... People aren't aware of this stuff, but um, I don't want to get into that uh, that whole thing. <laughs> but I thought that you know people should know that uh, if you again, if you want to go and check the book out, and I have your book Black Gene Lies. I want to actually get you to come back on at some point and talk about that. One. Okay. But um, oh yeah, that's the story. I wanted to ask you about nitrates because there's a lot going about nitrates. First of all, they were saying that nitrates were good for nitrates weren't good for us, and then now. I have some people who are on the other side of the spectrum that I've read some of this stuff saying nitrates are, are good. But there's a particular point in your book you talk about nitrates with lamb. And I think what we need to establish here, uh, Dr. Walling, is that human beings are animals, too. I think we tend to forget that. But um, what were you seeing in these lamb that were actually um, consuming these, these nitrates or nitrites? Well,
1: again, nitrates and nitrites are a form of fertilizer, Mm -hmm. Um, And it was also used as a preservative during the days of the Civil War for uh, ham and bacon and and those types of meats, which they could feed the troops on both sides of the the issue. And um, when people died at age 45, it didn't make much difference because it takes maybe 8, 10, 12, 15, 20 years for the effects of nitrates to kick in. And there's two things that happen when you consume nitrates. Number one, it causes inflammation of the body which is the bottom-line cause of obstructive arteries. When you get clogged arteries and plaque in your arteries, it's not cholesterol. It's inflammation, and one of the sources of inflammation are the nitrates you find in these preserved meats, like sausage and ham and bacon and bologna and salami and pepperoni and jerky and that kind of stuff. And in 1971, um, when I'm writing all my papers after all these autopsies, 20,000 autopsies, I'm finding uh, that um, nitrates and nitrates in human beings – were the cause of plugged arteries, not cholesterol and saturated fat. So I'm flying in the face of everybody's uh, belief at that time and still yet today. But I was also finding the cancer rate went up in people who ate those kind of foods. It was published in a a Danish um, comparative pathology journal, uh, actually uh, translated into eight languages, went around the world. I was in every newspaper in the world again on that story, how the nitrates and nitrates were causing the plugged arteries and not cholesterol and how the nitrates and nitrates are causing cancer, not genetics. And that was in 1971. And today, just uh, this year, uh, the World Health Organization, not our CDC, not our FDA, not universities, not the American Medical Association, not state and, and national medical journals, but the World Health Organization came out and said, uh-oh, processed meats with nitrates and nitrates in them, and nitrates and nitrites from any source, even if it's in celery, um, is, uh, um, uh, increases your risk of any type of cancer as much as smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. So that's what I said in 71, and everybody laughed at me. Well, here comes Mm -hmm. the World Health Organization now in 2016 saying the same thing. That's why my book is in the Smithsonian Institute, because I was saying it in 71. Well, the interesting thing about this is that um, if if you're smoking two packs of cigarettes a day and you're eating these these processed meats with nitrates in them, sausage and ham and bacon, you're going to get cancer. And that's why our cancer rate is so high in the industrialized world compared to uh, third-world cultures that don't have processed meats, that don't have preserved meats. If they do preserve meat, it's either by drying in the sun, dried meats, or uh, salted meats. Those are the only two preservatives that these third-world cultures have, and they have 40 times 100 year we do. They have 100 per 250 of their population. We have 100 per 10,000, and all we have to do is give up the bad stuff, the fried foods, the processed meats, the oils, olive oil, coconut oil. Everybody freaks out. Well, everybody says coconut oil is good for you. Well, Hitler said that, you know, taking a shower in his death facilities was good for you, too. And so you've got to uh, understand what the heck you're doing here. And just because they, whoever they are, say it, and um, it's on the cover of one of these uh, crazy magazines you find uh, in the grocery stores, the tabloids. doesn't mean anything. You know, in the tabloids, they said that Alzheimer's disease was caused by aluminum. No, it's caused by doctors. Alzheimer's disease is a physician caused disease. Get over it. It's not age genetic disease. And, and, and it's not caused by aluminum. It's actually caused by a deficiency of cholesterol. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Um trace mineral depletion That
1: means speechless, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean, but it's it's all connected. I mean and I've been doing this since two thousand five and it's just like a trail of you just gotta follow the trail. Um, trace mineral trail depletion. Yeah, trace mineral depletion. Um, and we we're talking about minerals and the deficiency of minerals and nutritional deficiencies. How does this trace mineral depletion start? Is it from? Can it be started from stress? Is it caused primarily from our diet? How does this start? And how do we start getting those minerals back into our bodies?
1: Okay. Well, there's several ways you can get mineral depletion. First of all, that old adage "You are what you eat" is not true. You are not what you eat. You are what you absorb. There's a huge difference between digestion and absorption, huge difference between putting something in your mouth and getting it into your bloodstream. And one of the biggest common causes of malabsorption where where your your efficiency of absorption goes down by 95% is gluten intolerance. This is not caused by GMOs. This is not a new thing. This goes back 5,000 years ago um, when the farmers in Egypt switched from millet as the grain because it had a half-inch seed head to wheat because it had a three-inch seed head, so they tripled their yield on their property, the same property, they tripled their yield just by going from millet, which does not have gluten in it, to wheat, which does have gluten in it. And so the Egyptian physicians were recording all kinds of things they'd never seen before uh, after they switched to, we're talking 5,000 years ago. And so I, I take all that information, put it to work, and so absorption is one problem. You can be supplementing with all your trace minerals, but if you're not absorbing it, you're just making the septic tank happy, okay? You're not getting it. So well, I took that stuff, and I still got type 2 as well. You got rosacea. You got big, red, ruddy cheeks. You look like you're, you know, an alcoholic Irishman. Uh, get on a gluten-free diet and then take your supplements, and your, your rosacea goes away off your face. That means you're absorbing again. Same thing with asthma. Asthma, I can get rid of asthma in, in two to four weeks in anybody. I don't care if you've had it your whole life. I don't care if you're a 3-year-old kid or a 3-month-old kid or a 35-year-old person had it their whole life. It's a simple deficiency of a single nutrient, and it's a very big, clumsy nutrient, and it's difficult to absorb under ideal circumstances. And uh, you get on a gluten-free diet, you take the 90 essential nutrients, asthma goes away very quickly in a couple of weeks, 10 days, 5 days. It's very quick. And uh, nobody should die of asthma. No kid should be miserable from it, and nobody should suffer from it because it's a simple nutritional deficiency of AIDS. Then, on the other hand, our food is totally deficient of trace minerals because plants do not need them. Plants only need uh, three minerals from the soil: magnesium, phosphorus, uh, and um, um, let's see, magnesium, oh, and potassium. Those are the minerals that plants need. Everything else they get from the air. In fact, when we have too much carbon dioxide in the air, just grow more food because they use plants use carbon dioxide like we use um, oxygen. So we don't mm-hmm. want to decrease the uh, carbon dioxide in, in the air by not producing it. But what we want to do is grow more food and, and use it up, so it won't cause any problems. But you have to supplement, just like we did in animals. That's the model. You supplement, we eliminate all birth defects. You supplement, we eliminate all degenerative diseases. You can't name me a degenerative disease that we can't either reverse or prevent uh, in in the uh, uh, woman before she gets pregnant, and uh, we can eliminate every birth defect. it's, It's crazy. We've done this in animals over 100 years ago, and we're still diddling around with this in humans because doctors are being obstructive. The pharmaceutical industry is being obstructive because they make their living with sick people. Um, They really, down deep in their heart, don't want well people, because if everybody on earth is well and taking care of themselves and lives to be 120 without having to go to a nursing home, there wouldn't be a single doctor out there. They'd all be um, vitamin mineral salesmen. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I had a guest on here um, a couple of episodes ago, and we were talking about uh, iron, and he said that uh, we kind of live in an iron-dominated society, and he was expressing that iron is very oxidative to our bodies Um, in your book I came across copper and it just so happens that I'm 45 and I've been kind of getting gray hair since I've been yeah late 30s maybe and uh, I was just looking for a solution to the gray hair and could I reverse you know the gray hair everybody's trying to be young so I came across copper and um, it seems like from him and from what I saw in your book is that maybe Both of you have a truth. We're we're iron-dominated and we're not getting enough copper. Explain the role of copper as it relates to animals and how it actually relates to humans, too. And uh, one of the things I've noticed, too, is that with our bodies, we seem to want balance. So we can't have too much iron. We can't have too much copper. It it has to be that balance. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so this is one of the things we've learned in agriculture is – that you have to have all 90 essential nutrients, 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino three fatty acids. And medical doctors and people who become experts in a particular nutrient, whether it's iron or vitamin C or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. uh, they tend to press on that. Well, uh, that causes problems of its own nature. Uh, you need all 60 essential minerals, which includes copper and iron, but then mm-hmm. there's 58 other minerals you have to deal with. They're all interactive, and anybody who takes a lot of something without taking all 90 is putting themselves in jeopardy, okay? And so this is is the secret we learn in animals. You have to take all nine. You just can't take a lot of one thing and think you're solving your problem because the other 59 are not in the food either. And so this is is the problem. You have to think 90, 90, 90, 90, not more iron. Uh, And, of course, copper and iron have a special relationship. And copper deficiency is very interesting. Copper deficiency results in many, many, probably about, I don't know, 50 different diseases, Um, um, Calcium deficiency is 147 different diseases Iron deficiency, maybe 15 diseases Uh, Iron is required, obviously, for hemoglobin Iron is also required for myoglobin Which is a red pigment in muscle cells Which allow it to store and use oxygen Iron is also required as a cofactor In various chemical reactions in our cells, our bodies And so uh, iron has a special place And And same with copper Copper is also required to make hemoglobin and copper is also required for the health of your liver. Uh, copper is also required for nerve transmission. Um, copper is also required to make uh, pigment, pigments. And so, people who are deficient in copper, like Michael Jackson, was severely deficient in copper because he had a dietitian who was a vegan and gave him nothing but grains, whole grains, and vegetables. And when he was a little kid in the Jackson 5, he was a very dark black kid. But as he got older and older, The tabloid magazine saying he was bleaching himself so he could look white. And and by the time uh, he was in his early 40s, when he died from an overdose of drugs, um, he was snow white. I mean, he was whiter than a white person. He was white, like a white sheet (laughs) of typing paper.
0: Uh He
1: had white hair. The the hair he had was a wig. Uh, You get a breakdown of the elastic fibers in your blood vessels. You get spider veins, varicose veins, and hemorrhoids. And hemorrhoids are just varicose veins in a funny place. You can also get um, aneurysms, ruptured aneurysms. And people die of ruptured aneurysms all the time, and usually they will have white hair, regardless of age, whether they're six years old or they're newborn. And, of course, here's a very good example of a false um, genetic theory. There's babies born with aneurysms, and they'll die of a ruptured aneurysm when they're two, three weeks old. And uh-huh. so doctors said, well, it's got to be a genetic thing. We'll call it Kawasaki's disease. So some Japanese guy was the first one to associate it with, with genetics. Well, that's because the mother in early pregnancy when the A.R.D.A. Um, was farming – uh, she was deficient in copper, and so the embryo couldn't make the uh, the um, elastic fibers properly in the, in the air. And the baby's born with aneurysm and dies in a couple of weeks. And it's not a genetic disease. It's a simple deficiency of copper early in pregnancy. We eliminated this in turkeys. Uh, one year, every turkey in America died of a ruptured aneurysm. Um, and another year, they died of all liver cancer because you have all these weird diets that they give them. And they have bad things in the diet, so they're deficient in copper. And so we learned that every turkey was dying of ruptured aortic aneurysms because their feed was deficient uh, in uh, copper. We put copper in it, it all stops. So back in the 1950s, I began uh, making sure that not only animals, but people got uh, copper as part of their system. And then I realized, hey, it's more than just copper. It's more than just iron. It's more than just folic acid. It's more than just um, calcium. This is where doctors get it all wrong. You know, they go from one fetish to the next. One year, it's all calcium, 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 calcium. The next year, oh, now we've got to talk about vitamin D. We're going to write prescriptions for 60,000 international units of vitamin D when just two years earlier they said 400 international units was two months. Now they're they're giving you prescriptions uh, for vitamin D at 40,000 units. And uh, then, of course, they didn't like probiotics you know, to help balance your intestinal flora. Well, now they're charging you $45,000 to do a fecal transplant, which means they're taking poop from their nurse and putting the nurse's poop in you. And they get it for free, and they're charging you $45,000 to give you an animal to somebody else's poop. I mean, how crazy is this?
0: (laughs) Now, do we need to actually – have a test for these these minerals to see what we're deficient in, or is it is, to me? It just seems like it's a question of balance. If you know that, and obviously everybody's deficient in these minerals, if you take something with I believe you said 90 essential minerals in there, is that well, enough? Well, is 90, that,
1: nutrients, 60 minerals, 60 okay, zero mineral minerals.
0: Yeah, so if you take something with these in there, is there a need to, is there a need to have any type of testing done? Or should, are, you, are you safe? Is that your, your safe card when you're taking these 90 uh, minerals in the yes. stick?
1: Well, well here's, here's two things you have to appreciate. Number one, we have a system in our body uh, that keeps everything uh, as normal as it can be in the blood. Even if you have raging calcium deficiency and osteoporosis, you're having fractures, your bones... Your blood calcium will oftentimes be normal because your parathyroid glands are pulling calcium out of your bones, contributing to the osteoporosis, making it worse to try and keep your blood calcium normal. So blood levels of nutrients is the worst possible thing to look at because you have the system in your body. It's called homeostasis, trying to keep everything normal in your blood. Then another a good thing is a hair analysis because if everything is below the minimum data requirement in, the, in your hair, if everything's below that line, that means you're not absorbing because it, it should, you should have varying degrees of different minerals if you're depending on your food for these minerals. Some will be in the middle, some will be low, some will be below the line. And when they're all below the line, that means you're not absorbing. And 85% of Americans do have a gluten intolerance. It's just best if everybody gets off of gluten. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a CD called Serial Killers, which goes into um, a source – of um, uh, where, where you find all the places gluten is hidden in gravies and soups and dog food, and people, are, well, I don't eat dog food. Well, yeah, but you feed the dog, you get the dust on your hands, and then you prepare your own food. And uh, maybe somebody else in the household is throwing their laundry in the same uh, washer and dryer you are, and they're eating gluten outside the house and bringing it in on their clothes. Is that sensitive? And so, absorption is very, very important. You are what you absorb, not what you eat. But what we've done, is taking all the 17 years of university that I had and putting it into using government statistics and government information. We know exactly what people need and the optimal relationships and ratios between all these nutrients. We didn't just slam them together. There's over a hundred billion dollars worth of research. For mine I've spent uh, using other people's money and like the government and national institutes of health and so forth, a hundred, well, uh, probably a hundred million dollars. But the, the amount of research that's in the formulation of my products is $100 billion worth of research from all the big universities, the chemistry departments, the agricultural departments, the veterinary departments, the medical departments, chemistry departments, all the research by big um, companies also. They're interested in genetics and so forth. And all that research has gone into the ratios and, and the 90 essential nutrients that are in this product. And so um, nobody else has this. If you look at all the other... Uh, multiples, for instance, on the market. they got 28 nutrients, maybe seven minerals. We're going to get the other 53 that are not in your food. Baby formulas, this is a scary thing. Baby formulas only have three to five minerals in it. We're going to get the other 55 minerals in in a newborn baby. He's not even have a chance because he's not eating solid food until he's maybe four to six months old. At least if a woman got maybe 20 minerals in her food, she got 20 minerals in her milk, which is a lot more than five. And so we've really put ourselves in a position, everything we've done technologically – has been moving towards killing our kids from deficiencies. You must supplement. Uh, You cannot just cherry pick one nutrient supplement that and say, I think I'm taking care of my needs. Uh Uh-uh. you got to take all 90. Otherwise, you're going to be burying your kids.
0: Yeah. Um, Real quick, I know I I, I got you for five more minutes, but I wanted to get your take on uh, a couple of ailments. I know a lot of people who have uh, high blood pressure, and then there also seems to be this exploding thing with autoimmunity. Just everybody has uh, autoimmune diseases. Um, if you could well, take well, me I, through. Well,
1: I have to go here in about three minutes now, so let me answer the autoimmune thing. You're yeah. right. Yeah, more doctors are diagnosing more autoimmune things: fibromyalgia, sarcoidosis, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. Um, next to the genetic thing and the cholesterol thing, the autoimmune concept is the third biggest lie in the medical system. Um, babies are born bubble babies because mama's missing things when their immune systems are forming, and they're born without an immune system because they, they didn't get it made when they are in embryo. But when somebody's 35, 40 years old, they don't get an autoimmune disease. There is no such thing. It's actually a big lie. When a doctor says you have an autoimmune disease that he's saying that translates to, I have no earthly idea what you got. I'm going to blame it on your body attacking yourself so I don't get responsible for it. And there's an insurance code for it so I can get paid for it. And then I'm going to just treat your symptoms, so you'll keep coming in every month for the next 25 years if you live that long. And so, anytime a doctor says you have an autoimmune disease, get on a gluten-free diet, take the 90 essential nutrients, and call me every two weeks, and you will be glad you got off your gluten, got on the 90 essential nutrients, and uh, your autoimmune disease will go away. I apologize, great. my man. I got to go.
0: Yeah. But thank yeah, real you very much. Quick, God bless
1: God- you for the great work you're doing.
0: Dr. Wallet, what is your website? Because I know you have your nutrients. Okay, Where can get the nutrients.
1: Okay, they can get the information. They can get the books. They can get the nutrients. It's um, it's uh, titled. Uh, the website is get the ninety, the, the numeral ninety nine zero. Get the e ninety dot com, and the um, toll free number is one 6109 Again, the toll free number is one 6109 and um, Let's see, are you located in? Uh,
0: I'm in Florida. Utah?
1: I'm
0: oh, in Florida. Florida. Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah. In Florida. Okay. All right. So, anyway, any again, the website is GetThe9090, nine and the the toll-free number is one eight hundred eight three four six one zero nine, 834 6109 And look forward to talking with you again. Thank you so much for all the great work you do to save humanity and, and keep it up. We love you for it.
0: Thank you, Dr. Waller. Have a good one. God bless you, sir. All right. Thank you. All right. There you have it. Early show. Um, I know it might be some people out there listening, but if you're not, you can also uh, pick this up on iTunes. And then um, I did not put his information on the show notes. So I'll go back and do that. And uh, just if you're out there listening, the website is getthe90.com. So G-E-T-T-H-E 90, the number the number 90.com. And then I believe he said his number was one 800 834 Zero nine one eight hundred eight three four six one zero nine. So great show today. Hope you um got something out of the show. And uh Wednesday we'll be back at our normal time. time <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. And we'll have Dr. Pam Riley on. We'll be talking about essential oils. A lot of things are coming about about essential oils which I've known for a long time about essential oils, and a lot of people are discovering them more and more as one of those things to be able to help with our health, help with our wellness, help with our longevity. So Wednesday, I'll see you same fat time, same fat channel. Peace and love, y'all. I'm out.